Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org, to donate. Thank you. You are not your own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. What do you do with your body? Seems like an obvious answer or question or concern, but I think increasingly it's a pretty important, significant question. What do we do with our bodies as Christians. It reminds me, uh, yesterday I got to go to be with a, a wonderful uh, young lady's birthday, three, a little three-year-old, and it reminded me of those first-year birthdays, the one-year birthday, right? And kids, when they are doing whatever they're doing at that age, they're just sort of not comfortable in their body, right? <laughs> they know what they want, but they're still trying to use their hands to do stuff, right? So you have the cake and they begin by maybe you're going to give them a spoon and it's kind of going everywhere and who knows what it's going to do. And then then they start maybe hitting the food, right? Maybe then they drop that and they go for the hands, right? Do you remember, you remember this? You're laughing. You've, you've, you've done this before. Then you just kind of grab it. We're all laughing. And then finally, what do they do? Uh, they just give up on their hands. Their body, they just go right down into the cake, right? Learning how to use your body. What do you do? And as they get older, what do you do? You teach your kid how to use your body. My wife has the earliest the beginner kids at St. James at school. And a lot of her job is like, no, your hand doesn't go against the side of that kid's head. Uh, it stays over here, you know? Or use your body to serve others and help others out. Well, as Christians, we need this too. doesn't get much different. As you become an adult, we still have problems using or misusing our body. Paul writes about it. And this is not incidental or this is not off-topic. This is a huge issue for people then and for us. He's writing to the church in Corinth, the Corinthians. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, what does that mean? Two letters he wrote to the church in Corinth. We actually think he wrote four, but we don't know where the other two are. But anyhow, the first letter he writes this to this church in Corinth. Now, Corinth was an uh, interesting city, even for the Romans, Corinth was like, uh, you know, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Even for the Romans, Corinth was just decadence. It was uh, a city on the sea, it had the sailors coming and going, a lot of uh, cosmopolitan, every culture coming in, and it was depraved. As everyone talks about, even depraved people don't go to Corinth. It's a tough place to live. When it comes to using your body correctly. And yet, think about this. Paul preached Christ there. God loved those people. And there, in maybe the last place you would actually think of a church being, the Lord planted and grew a bunch of believers that believed in Christ's mercy, that listened to Paul's words who at least on paper are like, I believe in Jesus who died and rose for me. But they kind of had a problem. 
inconsistency, you could say. They believed in Christ, but they were still living as if they were residents of Corinth. You know what I mean? And it's got to be hard breaking old habits. So they might gather together and nod their heads and might truly believe in their minds, but their life didn't look like believers. It looked more like people that live in Corinth. Do you have any problems with this? <laughs> Can you relate at all to this? Believing with your head, saying you love Jesus, but then you go to work. And then it's business. Business has to get done, and you've got to deal with the world, and you've got to be with the world. And then you come to church and sort of escape for a little bit. Do you feel this a little bit? I think there's two reasons why the Corinthians were so different. On one hand, believing in Jesus. On the other hand, their lifestyle, their, the way they treated one another and what they did with their bodies was totally different or totally uh, inconsistent. This, these are the two reasons. One is the fact is they're sinners. <laughs> Something inside of them and you, as even Jesus says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. There's something in us that is always bent inward. That always wants to serve yourself. And you know what that feels like. It's always pushing us this way. But even more, uh, more interesting, another way to look at it uh, is something that, uh, that uh, St. Augustine calls um, disordered love or rightly ordered love, or that's the problem. And it, it kind of goes like this. Look at Adam and Eve. They took the fruit because they fell in love with the fruit over the Creator of the fruit. Make sense? Augustine says this. He says, Beauty, which is indeed God's handiwork, but only a temporal, carnal, and lower kind of good, so beauty is good, but it's lower, is not fitly loved in preference to God, the eternal, spiritual, and unchangeable good. When the miser prefers his gold to justice, in other words, he loves gold, but not what you should do with gold, and that is justice for others. It is through no fault of the gold. The gold's fine. Money's fine. Things are beautiful. The fruit is beautiful, made by God. So it's no fault of the gold, but of the man. And so with every created thing, for though it be good, it may be loved with an evil as well as with a good love. It is loved rightly when it is loved in order, evilly when disordered. It is this which someone has briefly said in these verses in praise of the Creator. These are thine, all things, including your body. They are good because you are good who made them. There is in them nothing of ours unless the sin we commit when we forget the order of things and instead of thee love that which thou hast made disordered love. When you love, the order of love is this, you love God, number one. He is the ultimate good. He is the creator of all these other things. And then from there, you love God first, second, you love the things that he made, but in light of the fact that he made them, they are not yours, and they are not to be seen apart from the maker. And when it's out of order, we end up praising and worshiping the creation, 
and not the creator. And what happens then is we will be disappointed. But creation dies. Creation does not last. Your body doesn't ultimately satisfy everything. Your body decays. Stuff, material, the stock market, whatever it is. And so when you disorder that in your life and you love it over the Creator, you're going to be greatly disappointed, let alone misuse what God intended its use for. And life is a mess, according to Scripture, according to Augustine. I think we have that problem. That's definitely the, the Corinthians problem. In fact, Paul goes on and says, not only, he kind of backs this up, he says, you are not your own. Think about that. Your body is not yours. It is the one who made it. When you love your body as if it is simply yours over and against the Creator, you'll do dumb things with your body. You will misuse it, abuse it, and others every single time. And you will be disappointed. This is huge in America, right? Your body is not yours, it is God's. So what God thinks about your body or designed it for is what matters more than what you think it should be. Think about that this week. And apply that to every aspect of life. Not just what Paul talks about, sexual immorality, though that's very important, has absolutely messed up so many people and hurt and abused, ends up creating a sense of animalism that we see in this country. Now, there's another reason why the Corinthians were so messed up that I think we can relate to, and we can. And that is the philosophy behind, I think, the culture of the time was a certain dualism. When it comes to the material world, it was looked down upon. And Paul alludes to it in his letter. If you read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, he quotes to them this popular phrase back then. The body was made for food and the food for body. That was something that was being told to him. Paul, what's wrong? I can eat what I want to, do what I want to, have sex with what I want to. Because the body's made for that. That's what the body does. It's low and it's base. Because that's what was believed back then. I think we still do kind of. The body has needs and you got to satisfy them. My spiritual life is up here and I pray to God and I think about deep things, but the body needs these lower things. The real me is, is not my body. These, there's different ways to talk about this, this duality, that the body is either low or dumb or, or, or base or not important or not really you. Can you relate to this? Does this, does this make sense? I'm this ethereal, immaterial thing, and I'm stuck in this body. In many different ways, we, we always do this. And I think more and more we live in a culture that the body is seen as just animal, flesh, material. Who cares what you do with it? It's not really me. And when we do that, I think we start treating people as just bodies, actually. It's just objects. You know anybody like that? Do you do that? 
Are you your body? God would say, absolutely. There is no other option. There is no you outside of your body. You were created, human beings, our body. There's no such thing as like a soul flying around and then God kind of puts it into a body temporarily. That's not how scripture talks. Doesn't even make sense, I would say, even scientifically. There's no evidence of that. You are your body. You are deeply connected. It is what it means to be you is to have a body and fingers and hands and all these things. And therefore, it should be elevated. You should take care of that body. You should care about the one who gave you that body. But not only, not only this, you are your body, and you were made that way, but Christmas is a celebration of God, the divine, taking on the human body. Becoming a human being means taking on flesh. And not just on Christmas for a moment, that's cool, but forever. Talk about an elevation of human beings, of flesh, of the body, of your body. When Christ, takes, when Christ is born, he permanently becomes a part of humanity, which means body and everything. And not only that, but he walks around in the body. He raises people's bodies. He fixes people's bodies. He dies in the body and takes on your sin in the body. And three days later, he rises again from the dead in the body. There's no other form that humanity takes. There's no such thing as you without a body. That's what it means to be human. And Christ has fixed it in the resurrection. And and then 40 days later, he ascends into heaven in the body. Forever, God has a physical body. Talk about elevating humanity or the importance of the body or what the body is. And I say that because it gives us motivation to take care of the body, but also to see what Paul is saying. You are not your own. Worshiping God, being a Christian, is not just a mental, spiritual thing. It includes your whole person. Your body's not an exception. We use our body to worship God, to serve others. And there's a good use of it, and there's a bad use of it, and it matters. But Paul says, the sin against your own body is not, it's not worse in the sense of a Roman Catholic, like degrees of sin, but it's hurtful because it's against yourself, if that makes sense. Now, I'll tell you, it's understandable that people think that they are not their body. Because as you get older, I think it was last year, I was uh, with friends in New Orleans and eating a, uh, what are those donuts? Beignette, is that right? And my tooth fell out, or a piece of it. And I truly felt like, holy cow, my body's just breaking down. I don't know why it really hit me like, I'm getting older and pieces of me are falling off. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? Do I feel old? No, I feel the same as I have always felt. But I'm looking at my body and there's a disconnect. It's not doing what I want. 
And eventually you're going to feel like the one-year-old who can't move your hand. <laughs> right? And I think that happens in many different ways. I don't, my point is, I don't think it's crazy for people to feel disconnected from their body. Not at home in their body. As you get older, that's for sure. But there's all kinds of ways this happens. Have pity on that. It's, it's real. It can feel like that. But the answer is not who cares about the body, or the body doesn't matter, or I'll do whatever I want to with my body as I want to, because it's mine. Well, it's not yours. It's not yours. It's not your decision to make what you do with your body. It's God's. If we could just leave here today with that truth, I think that would really bless how we look at our life. Don't even go into the details of, of sexuality, etc. If we could just get to that point where my body is not mine, it's God's. And that I love the one who made it more than the creation itself. I think we'd be blessed by that if we ordered our love correctly. But the good news for us that are a little frustrated with our body, who feel disconnected with it, and I'm sure you have friends like that who very, feel very disconnected with it. Don't get mad at them or say that's dumb. It's real. It can happen. Just like old age. The good news is this, and the answer is this, that one day, as Paul says, just as God raised Jesus Christ up from the dead, he will raise you up in your, I'm sorry, body. Stuck with it. But then it will have no more sin in it, no more dumb desires, no more illness, no more aging, no more disability. No more disconnect between your desires and what you know is right and wrong. The answer to that feeling that you might have between the real you and your body and you feel different is one day you won't when Christ comes again in glory. How beautiful that will be when you actually like yourself and feel at home in yourself and in your community. Finally, Paul talks about this kind of yelling at those Corinthians to remember that you are not your own, that Christ bought that body with his own body and died for it. But then in chapter 7, the next chapter after this, he knows what it feels like to struggle with the desires of the body. He actually mentions how he feels like in his mind he knows what's right and wrong, but he sees his body wants something else. Do you relate to that? And talks about this, this struggle of being alive and telling yourself no all the time, etc., and sometimes losing that battle and falling. And finally, what Paul says to all of you who, are, who know you've sinned, who have misused that body that God gave you, Paul says, who do I look for for help? Woe is me, he says. I can't even control my body. And then he says, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, who used his body and gave it up on the cross for you and for me, that my hope is not that I perfect my life or get myself straight or control my body all the time, though we should strive. But my hope is that I'm forgiven. That Christ has made me, my body and all, a member of him. 
and killed me on the cross painlessly and in baptism and raised me up in him. The where he goes, I go. No matter my choices or, or no matter that my sins and I fall down, I'm with Christ. He's got me. He forgives me and he will raise me up on the last day. In the meantime, we struggle with our body. We try to do what God wants to with it. But most importantly, I want you to think of this. You're united with Christ. He is with you. You are forgiven. He's got you. In Jesus' name, amen.